Who's been getting blessed? Who got blessed last week by the message around relationships and friendships? You guys get something out of that? Well, I don't know if I've mentioned it, but I just felt really prompted by the Lord to do a second run at that and go a little deeper down a different vein around friendships and relationships. Can everyone hear me clearly? Yeah. If you can't, if you can't, just move a little closer. Um, but it, this is this is really one of the most pivotal subjects in our lives. Really, everything rises and falls on the way that we steward relationships. There's a you know when I when I, I got into business around the age of nineteen. And I would hear people talk to me that like business is more about relationship than deals. And I didn't really understand it to the depth that I do today. But business, marriage, family, friendship, even the relationship you have with your doctor, your lawyer, it's all about relationship. And really, if you look at the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve before they disobeyed him and ate the fruit that he told them not to, God postured himself as a friend, uh, uh, the more benevolent friend, the friend that came from a higher position, but he met them as friends. The Bible said that he would come and fellowship with them in the cool of the day. That was not a legal system that he was relating to them through, it was not a formal, you know, charity system. It was a relational family system of friendship. And so that's something that as human beings, unless you go and live in the north, mid-north of Alaska and get a little cabin and you never see anyone for 20 or 30 years at a time, we all have to learn to navigate people and steward our relationships and the people in our lives well. We also have to learn to discern the people in our lives because not everyone in our lives is good for us. Not everyone in our lives is healthy for us. And I think that when we've had challenges in life and we've been disadvantaged or wounded, we can either become super untrusting or super trusting in a really unhealthy way. We invite everyone in and we invite the wrong people in to places that they have no business being in our hearts. And so I really felt uh, compelled by the Lord today for us to just drill down deep and start to really examine, you know, what kind of friend do I want? What kind of friend do I want to be? But for us to understand that, I'm going to take us on a little bit of a journey today where, we, where I start to show you the different categories of people and the different categories of relationships in our lives. Because often we actually give people that have no business being in our inner circle that are really should be in our outer circle, we invite them right in. And unless we actually have an evaluation filtering understanding of who should sit and stand where in life, we tend to give people places that they shouldn't be in. And unfortunately, we give the people that should be close distance. And so if you guys are open to it, which I'm sure we all are, 
let's just open to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, or they, they welcome you, or they invite you into their group, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait and shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Or let us, you could put that into modern language, come and hang out in our group. We've got access to such and such. Or come and, come and jump into our group. You know, we've got access to the who's who people or the pretty people or, you know, that girl or guy that you might be interested in. We've got access to make easy money. Let me tell you, there's no such thing as easy money. Right. If you want to keep it. The Bible says, and this is just a little side segue note here for a second. The Bible says that money quickly gained is also quickly lost. That's true. And, and <laughs> you like that? <laughs> so let us lie secretly in, for the innocent without cause. Let us live ruthlessly is another way, or recklessly. Let us live lawlessly, okay? Let us swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those go, that go down into the pit. And we shall find all kinds of precious possessions. Now this is speaking, he's really telling his story about, you know, like marauders or like, you know, street pirates or people that would like jump out from the road and rob caravans. But really, if you bring that into the modern Huntington Beach, Orange County lifestyle, it might be that you meet a group of people that are kind of pretty edgy and sketchy and they really welcome you in. But there's all kinds of dodgy compromise happening in those circles. Or there's people that maybe once walked with you, but now they've lowered their standards. They've maybe forsaken the values that they grew up in church or in the kingdom knowing, and now they're living in compromise. And now they're welcoming you and they're being super friendly and you can't help but want to join them and emotionally connect with them so you stay relational but they're inviting you into all kinds of compromise that's where this is you guys understand because sometimes when we see this we'll go oh no that's not me no this is totally relational to our life today okay watch this we shall fill our houses with spoil and cast in your lot among us. Be counted with us. Let us all have one account or purse. My son, do not walk with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil. They have no conscience. They have, they have no limitations. They have, you know, they're just so free-spirited that there's nothing that they're not prepared to do. And you are kind of thrown off by their spirit of adventure and their ability to be able to do things without really having a conscience check. And so it seems novel and it seems advantageous or it seems intriguing or curious to want to connect with that because it's a different type of people that I've never had in my life before. That's what what David's saying here in Proverbs. Someone getting something? So it says, my son, do not walk with them. Keep your foot from their path, for they run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in sight of any bird. What that's saying is, consequences are plain, 
It's just that people believe that consequences will never touch them. Has anyone here ever been speeding in a certain traffic zone? You just believe that it's never going to touch you until the red and blue lights come on. And all of a sudden the consequences which were in plain sight that we believe would never touch us are now handing a piece of paper through the window. Hello. Guilty. I'm not here to tell you I'm a saint. I'm tell, here to tell you I'm redeemed. <laughs> so surely the, the, in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. The thing that they think they're going to navigate around is actually going to get them. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. You, you don't live outside the rules and consequences. As long as the earth remains, social seed time and harvest. And I think sometimes people get so, especially in the age that we're living and we're living where we must be more discerning than ever because now there's no rules. If you speak truth, you're a bigot. If you speak, and really the, the kingdom is a kingdom of ultimatums. But we live in a world that hates ultimatums and if you have an ultimatum, then you're prejudiced you're biased or you're unloving or you're you know a horrible human being but that's actually not the way it is the way it is is be sure your sins will find you out God is not mocked hello they lie in wait for their own blood they lurk secretly for their own lives so are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain it takes away the life of its owners then I'm going to come down to uh, the book of Amos if you're taking notes Amos chapter 3 verse 3 can two walk together unless they be agreed see that this brings up the next point in relationship that a lot of the times we will actually give a person an extra point because of the way they present themselves favorably and we will override and compromise our standards in order to somehow be relational how can two walk together lest they be agreed for instance I'm glad I married my wife and not a Satanist it's a drastic example but get the point because if I had married a Satanist there would have been constant conflict while we may have had some kind of weird connection there would have been a fundamental diametric opposed belief system that would have eventually caused an implosion or a catastrophic compromise on my part hello see so how can two walk together lest they be agreed and so in our friendships we have to find not necessarily those that agree with everything because it's okay to have differences even my wife and I don't agree and see everything eye to eye but on the fundamentals, we do. You can't have, you know, well, we're going to raise our kids in, in the biblical way, and, you know, we're going to discipline so that they learn to respect authority and they learn to fear God and they learn to walk in purity and holiness. And the other spouse saying, well, I don't believe in discipline. I just want to see the child develop however it wants to and turn it into a, a, a rebellious, independent little brat. <laughs> See, that's a, that's a problem at some point. And the same is true in friendships. 
We make compromises because someone knows how to abuse the favor on their life to be more appealing, so we're prepared to lower standards and overlook fundamental issues that actually are eventually going to request that we compromise. I'm not saying that we don't we don't work with people that are different than us. I'm just saying, well, you're going to see what I'm saying in a minute. We have to understand where people sit in our lives. Because it's not that we become exclusive and elite. It's that we become discerning with filters. Okay. So every I've got a bunch of notes that I've written down here. Every relationship you have is either drawing you to or further away from God's perfect will over your life. Every relationship. There is no middle ground. There is no neutral where it's like, well, they're just a friend that doesn't really count for this. No, every single relationship is either pulling you towards God's perfect will or they are drawing you away from God's perfect will. Hello? Any relationship that, that has you living in any state of compromise or asks you to see your conscience or by way of influence is causing you to make compromises that degrade your conscience, that's drawing you away from God. And make no mistake, every relationship is influential. There is no relationship that you have control of. Every single relationship you have is influential. Point in case, if you think of the closest five to 10 people around you, you start talking like them, you start, I mean, that's particularly true. In our little church circle, we say things like blown. Or someone started saying it, and then we all started saying it. We say things. And you can see it at that level where we all share the same lingo. Right. Somebody's influencing somebody. Right. In every relationship you have, there is influence. Okay? This must be the filter on how we choose our friends. See, if for you, friendships just happen and it unravels and, oh, we just became friends, yay, then you are an undiscerning consumer. You eat what's ever given to you. And while there is a point in life, like I can remember in my teenage years and even in my 20s, I was just besties with everybody. But the reality is, is that maturity would say that that's actually not real. Because as life goes on, you become more decided. And you become more committed to your goals, your values and beliefs, and your moral compass. Hello? And so, so, so with that, we have to start making decisions who is empowering me to get to where I feel like I'm supposed to be and who is hindering me making progress because every single person will be doing that in one of those two ways okay so here's a statement that I wrote down this morning which I just feel has a lot of weight to it we must be loyal to divine relationships as we did not find them, God gave them to us to steward. And He is watching how we steward them. So we don't get to dispose of divine relationships. We get to steward them. 
Because we didn't find them, make them, create them, or initiate them. God gave them. Does this make sense? So, uh, we will suffer. Here's another point. We will suffer both the consequences and the rewards of those closest to us. Now, if you've ever had people, which every person here has, there's always been that person in your life, or one person in different seasons, or maybe more, that has made diabolical decisions that has affected your life. Because the people we allow close to us ultimately have the effect to build us or tear us down, to strengthen us or to damage us. You, every person here most likely has a moment in life where we can categorically say, that was a relationship that broke my heart. Yes? Now the issue with that is that we have to realize that we gave our heart to be broken. Is everyone getting this? So there's two parts in this. The problem is, is that we invested our heart poorly or misguidedly to someone that didn't steward it well. And that's a painful reality to come to. And a lot of the times we didn't see it at the time we gave it because we hadn't spent the time qualifying it. We rushed in. That's why there's a scripture in Proverbs that means a lot to me. Is after one girlfriend that I broke up with that I just thought I was going to marry her and God just slapped me in the face while I was feeling bad for myself. I'm sitting there feeling bad for myself, reading my Bible. It's why it was me. And God gives me Proverbs. Do not commit something as holy to the Lord and then later reconsider your vows. And see, that's our problem is, is we tend to consecrate and anoint things. This is my BFF. I'm going straight to the aisle with this one, to the altar. Oh, it's for sure marriage material. Well, the problem is, is that we commit to people what has not yet been qualified in them. And we rush into situations where people are reckless with our trust, our hearts, and our futures. And a lot of times, those same people are also very toxic and caustic and aggressive to the other healthy relationships around us because they're trying to separate us from healthy support because there is an unhealthy agenda to separate us and bring pain. Not intentional at first, but because that's how they've lived their whole life and now they want to put that on us. Is this okay to be real today? See, we need to have discernment in who we choose to call friends. Like I mentioned last Sunday, it said of Jesus, there's a whole bunch of people that wanted to pull Jesus into their inner circle. And the, and the Bible tells us that Jesus didn't commit himself to people because he knew what was in people. Right. Okay, but he did commit himself to people. When you commit yourself to people, you become vulnerable. And Judas is the perfect analogy of mistrusted or misstewarded relationship because when you become vulnerable no one can hurt you like the person you've made yourself vulnerable to when you show someone your vulnerability your flaws your habits the things you like has anyone here ever had a friend where 
you told that friend something you really liked and they went out and got it for themselves. Hello? See, that is a misstewarding of relationship. And we need to believe the problem we make is that in order to not be rejected, we're willing to ignore their battle signals. Hello? We're willing to override people's habitual misstewarding of our lives. Does this make sense? At least to somebody. Okay, we got that. So who can I consider to be my friend? I'm going to give you a list right now. I believe this is such a poignant thing. Because, you see, while we can be so focused on our relationship with God, we can be so reckless and unscrupulous on the people we let into our lives that can cause such a turbulence that affects our relationship with God. And if we don't have intentional relationship with people that have been qualified, we're actually going to be very shallow in our relationship with God because we're showing that we don't have any scrutiny in who we are intimate with. Hello? So who can I consider to be a friend? you got a pen, I'm going to give you some points. Those who have personal integrity. If you can't see someone or the person that you're looking at. See, one of our problems, you know that old song, I, can't, I don't even know who wrote it, but that, I think it might have been an Elvis song actually. It said, wise men say only fools rush in. But I just can't help falling in love with you. I just can't help it. What, what you're not going to be able to help, Elvis, is the pain on the other side because you didn't stop to do the prequel. <laughs> See, in my company, when someone calls up, a prospectus client calls up to have us come and use our resources to drive an hour and a half and look at their property and give them an assessment and advice and a quote and all the communication that goes with that, you know, before we invest in that type of you know outpouring from our expenses we do something called a pre-qualification on the phone we find out if they actually have the money to spend and if it's actually something that they want to do or if they just want a free home advisor to come out and give them some interior or exterior decorating advice for free so we need to pre-qualify them to make sure that we have a legitimate shopper and not a Christmas window shopper that's hoping in 10 years to give us a call and giving us the most well-meaning response. Oh, you guys are amazing. I'm going to give you a Yelp review that they never give you. Because they're not sincere. They're casual. You see, and if we want to grow and build our lives like everyone does, we need to stop being casual and sincere in those that we invite into deeper places in our lives and we start needing to be builders that have scrutiny. If I'm going to build a house, I'm going to inspect every piece of wood that I pick up to make sure that it's not all twisted and bowed so at the end result I have a nice straight wall. Hello. I'm not just going to slap materials at it and hopefully it all comes out right in the end. I need to be an intentional master builder that actually pays attention to the caliber and quality of what comes in through my hands to a project. Does this make sense? And the same is true with our relationships. We have to become uh, uh, 
intentional scrutineers of the materials, or in this case, friendships, relationships that we have. Like I've had someone drove out from the other side of the country recently uh, to come and meet my wife and I, and they said, we feel called by God to move to Huntington Beach. We want to come join your church and be a part of your church. We want to do this. We want to do that. We want to support you, and we want to be your BFFs. And I just said to them, hold up. I've known you two days. I don't even know if you're a devil. <laughs> Let's just get to know each other, girlfriend. It was a dude, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> because the problem is, is we love to romance people with flattery, but not establish ourselves with integrity. It takes time and it even takes disagreements and some difficult conversations to build a strong relationship. It takes awkward moments where people choose to stay committed to the relationship, not just the beach barbecue. Hello. I can't use you as a strategic person to get to the friends around you because I'm saying I don't really care about who you are. I, I only care about what you can get me. A friendship cares. So so I have to inspect a person's life, and I can't do that in an interview. I have to do that by slowly integrating myself in them and looking at how they navigate and conduct their character, their personality, their integrity. Because if I start seeing flaws when they're on their best behavior, single people, when you start dating, you aren't dating the person you're dating their idea of what they think you want listening to me yeah you want to get i want to get married okay listen you were dating the idea of what they think you want and as you go closer and time passes you start to see more of a reality of who they really are and hopefully that goes really well and hopefully you find who they really are before you say I do. When I started dating Bex, I did not say I love you week one. I actually resisted that urge, not because I have commitment issues, but because I want to be authentic. Hello? You don't jump in. Okay, so the first point was personal integrity. Here's a second point to consider when you're assessing someone to be a friend. Do they have a generous spirit or are they someone that's just looking to take, take, take? Are they a cheapskate? Because if they're a cheapskate, I'm dealing with a leech. They want to latch on for the benefits, not for how they can be a blessing, but how they can be a receiver. And I need to know that for what it is. Hello? You guys want to hear some truth today? Yeah. It's time for us to discern our relationships. It's okay to have different tiers of people in your life. It's just not okay for you to have them pegged in the wrong circle. I have to have from a friend, someone, and this is something you hear from me a lot, someone who is a lover of truth. I cannot have someone that is committed to delusion or fantasy. 
If I have someone that's committed to delusion or fantasy, I will never have an honest conversation. And not if, but when conflict arises, that discussion will be impossible. Because they're not committed to truth. They're committed to mirages of falsities. That's really hard. You know that little parable Jesus told? The wise man built his house upon a rock. And the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the problem is, is both those houses looked like they were in a great housing track until the storm came and revealed the true foundation of the house built on the sand. That's why you can't believe everyone at face value. You want to believe everyone at face value, but the problem is until you've seen what their foundation is made of, their house looks like your house. So we do not commit something as holy to the Lord and then later reconsider our vows. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why it's like, you know, trust but verify. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about that the other day. Yeah. Trust but verify. Give someone the benefit that you trust them, but don't trust them with your life in the first six months. Right. Don't, yeah. don't trust them by co-signing to a vehicle. Don't go into business with a brand new friend thinking it's all exciting and that charisma is going to pay the bills. Because character might destroy your life on their part. I learned that at 24 years old when I woke up to that nightmare that I've told you guys about. 24 years old and you go to the guy's house and it's gone. Or at least he's gone and there's a sold sign and he's taken so much money and not only have you lost but now you're in debt for three quarters of a mil. See, that's bad character invested on. I learned that early. That's why for me, this is not a chat. This is a lifestyle belief system. Okay. And the reality is, I'm glad that Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, had a Judas in his team, because it makes you feel better when you find one. Because <laughs> people are going to let you down. You can't see everything. You're not God. People are going to let you down. They're going to hurt you. hard we're all still I'm still working on that but we can get there but Jesus didn't trust him but he gave him enough opportunity to do what he had to do yeah just didn't let it into Jesus heart that's why I love with with Jesus at the end he's doing a debriefing before he goes to the cross with the father and he says father the devil has nothing in me you see that he guarded his heart the wheelhouse of his life so that he actually protected his heart we go wrong when we invite the wrong things and the wrong people into our hearts. Mm-hmm. That's how the devil gets pain in. Right. Yeah. Once pain and heartbreak gets in, you're easy to navigate. The enemy could steer you like a, like a car on the road. Someone getting something today or am I losing you? Okay, shout back at, back at me so I don't think you're having a Sunday snooze. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> See, the, the next point, I think it's point number one, two, three, four, is that they must have a long-term perspective and commitment, friend. See, if, if I'm investing in someone and I'm like, I'm going to be this person's faithful friend to life, and they're saying, well, I'm just going to be buddies with them, but what they don't know is I'm moving out of town in six months. Yeah. I'm just going to date that person until I get that college flip and call up, right. and then I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to let them invest in me and treat me like the Ritz-Carlton, but actually I've got plan B. 
guys with me? Yeah. See, we, we, there, there's regret and a little bit of pain hearing this stuff because we're all like, oh yeah, I did that. Oops. And we start remembering the, the, the trust that we gave that was not stewarded well. And it's not that I'm trying to get you to recall wounds, but I am trying to get you to t- pay attention to how we scrutinize trust. So we have to find people that are committed to longevity and life. Like for the, the, this, this guy here, like we're going to ride till the end. I know that. I don't need to do a quiz with him. Like we're, we're going to be faithful to the end. We've walked through some stuff together that's proven the foundation of the relationship. And if he calls me at three in the morning distressed, I'm saddling up. And I know the same is true of him. It's got to be people that you know that you are going to do life with. Because if you are investing 100% to someone who is not fully committed to you, you are a poor investor. Right. And you're giving something away. Because I was saying to to Pastor Jeff yesterday, I said, look, if I lost $10 million... I can go and work hard and recoup $10 million. I don't know over what time, but I can get that money back somehow. Right. Rob a bank. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay. But I can find a way to get that back. But if someone robs me of a year of my time, there is no $10 million check that can get that 12 months back. Yeah. You can't even get 10 minutes back. Yeah. Right. So we have to understand that someone that comes in and recklessly abuses my time or my investment of intimacy and relationship is actually robbing me of getting to destiny because they take something from me where I've given building blocks that are now for nothing. They're sand on the beach now. They're not building blocks anymore. Is someone getting this? Because if you remember last Sunday, the five closest people to you determine where you're going and what your life looks like. So if you give building blocks to someone that has no intention of remaining faithful to the commitment long term you are pouring water in the sand so we have to discern who we build with yeah. this helping someone today yeah. I think it's great it's awesome okay the next point my friends your friends need to have a distinct understanding and desire for destiny I cannot fraternize with friends that are go-nowhere friends because I am a man of destiny. I am a man that understands that God has a plan for my life and He has purposes. And while others are content to float, I want to press forward towards the upward call of, of, Christ in Christ, of God in Christ Jesus because I have destiny. So I need friends that are committed and focused on forward motion destiny. I can't have floaters because floaters are leeches that will train you for support and are happy to drown you to survive. They have no well-being of momentum. They have no focus for forward movement. And can I be honest? If you're going to move forward, you don't want to move forward by yourself. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong on this. You you can't move forward on your own. We move forward as a family. If if I was to tell you after church, you came over and walked under the trees with me and I said, 
Friend, this is how you make a billion dollars in the next five years. But you're the only person that can have that billion dollars. Can I tell you something? You'd be a very lonely individual. You'd make the money. But if you've got others that you can, I'm just not talking about money, I'm talking about life, ministry, family, uh, life development, passion, fulfillment, callings, all the good things that are in our hearts. If we move forward and grow and develop together, we enjoy it together. So I have to select who that is. Because if I have one person that's halfway interested in moving forward and three, four people that are just like draining me, they're not, in, they're just dead, they're like, they're like a dead leaf, or like, you know, here, this thing's still living? That's a dead friend. Hey, that thing's going to do nothing for me except light a fire. You see, we have to assess who is focused on destiny and who is focused on enjoying today? Let us eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. We're just going to die anyway, so whatever. Whatever, bro. Let's just collect the check and just go spend it. See, I want to have people that are focused and intent. Like, for me, fulfilling my call in God and the things He has for me is everything. Not everything, but it's if I don't have that, where's my purpose? Right. Because I was made for something, I was not made to float. And so in order for me to have that, I need the power of agreement from those around me who will drive me towards those things. And in doing so, community, it becomes contagious. Like Pastor Jeff and I, we were talking about business things we're doing outside our primary business. And that feeds on itself. It causes you to be excited and stimulated. You don't want the person... Because if you're the one person in the group that's focused on destiny, everyone else is jealous and disdaining and they're actually trying to tear you down so you come down to their level so they don't feel exposed because they were too lazy to do anything with their lives. Come on. Come on. And you're making them feel uncomfortable by your attempt at progress, but ultimately they're going to foot tap you when they get a chance so that you don't make it. Because your success is their failure. Hello. I think this is a great chat today. The last point, and it's not limited to these things, but it was a few points I put together. But the last point that I put together in this category was my friends must have a kingdom mentality. Because if I have friends, now I'm not saying I don't have people in my circle that I am, you know, uh, um, fond of. But when I say a friend, I'm talking about someone in my inner circle. They must have a kingdom mentality. Because if they don't, we're not going to be able to go deep in conversation. Because don't you know, I am here to be busy about my father's business. So if I'm going to the beach, that's part of my father's business. If we're in the park, that's my father's business. If I'm at work on Monday morning, that's my father's business. If I'm at church on Sunday, that's my father's business. If we go out for ice cream, that's my father's business. Everything I do has a foundational motivation of kingdom interest. So it's hard for me to walk. Remember I talked about in Amos, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? We can journey for five minutes, but in a minute our, our priorities will be different. If I don't have friends that have kingdom interest, they won't have the same priorities, therefore we can't walk together long term. And unfortunately, there's Christians and then there's Christians. 
See, we take the scripture about being equally yoked as Christians, non-Christians. That's not true. Yeah, that's, that's because right. there's Christians and Christians. That's right. You can have a Christian that's left their first love, knows the language, but has no fire, spirit, or life in them. And you say, well, we both love Jesus. We both prayed the prayer. Let's get married. And two years later, you've got chaos and pain and heartache because you are unequally yoked. Yeah. Unequally yoked simply looks like two oxen and one has a broken leg yeah. that are in the same yoke or one walks categorically slower than the other one. It breaks the yoke eventually. Right. Yeah. Guys with me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Someone getting something today? Yeah. I pray that out of today and last week that we become not critical, but we become much more discerning in who we allow into our hearts. And we actually, because every every friendship should have requirements. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily need to be spoken requirements, but it should be expectations. Right. You know, I didn't just happen to get into a marriage and marry Bex and have kids. We talk stuff through. What's your goals? What's your dreams? What's your desires? What's your deal breakers? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. And that should be in any, any relationship. So here's another one. Who should I not consider a friend to be? Ooh. <laughs> Who should I not consider a friend to be? Watch this. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 through 2. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 through 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, well, I'm just trying to be relational. Yeah, but your relational has taken you into a brothel. Your relational has caused you to become borderline an addict. Your relational has caused you to say things and do things and look at things that no son or daughter of God has ever got any business doing. See, Jesus sat with prostitutes, sinners, lepers, and tax collectors, but he never did those things. And he didn't call them close friend. Yeah. He visited them. Right. Different. Hello? Well, I just can't find good friends in the church. Well, maybe that's got more to do with you than it does them. Ooh. Hello? So good. He's got to say this stuff. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. See, if you spend enough time meditating on the word of God, you're going to start to struggle with people who can't if you're going to go deeper. Because it becomes your passion. It doesn't become your hobby. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. See these trees here? It's very clear to me that they are drinking water. But if you look over the back, see the trees over the back? They're out of season. They've got no leaves. They don't look too healthy right now, do they? By your fruits, you shall know them. By their fruits, you shall know them. Sorry. Hello. So when someone's like a tree planted by living water because they've been in fellowship with God, you, there's a smell that comes off them and a, a, a fragrance. 
and it's not from the bathroom. Hello. There is an atmosphere, there's a peace about them. There is not any kind of thing asking you to compromise in order to be connected. When someone's a tree planted by rivers of living water, you are strengthened, not drained. You come away from being with them feeling refreshed, not overwhelmed. Hello? See, we need to stop overriding our conscience and our heart and our spirit. And we need to start paying attention to what we're picking up. Because your spirit more than your body. Your spirit more than your emotions. It's not just the way you feel. It's what atmosphere you're in. Hello? If you're you're sensing an atmosphere that's hostile or dark or every time you're with them you're feeling confused or intimidated or or oppressed or whatever that looks like, that's unhealthy. And you need to recognize that, not override it because if I walk away from them I'll be rejected again. See, that's more about our personal healing, not the way we feel. This is free counseling, guys. Forget Dr. Oz. This is the Word of God. Yeah, let me... I lost my spot. Whose leaf... Oh, hang on a minute. What, somebody? Whose leaf... Also shall not wither. Oh, touch. (laughs) And whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. They're always in chaos. They're always in calamity. They're always dealing with the fallout of bad decisions and bad things committed to the wrong thing. There's a girl I went to high school with and she, she followed me on Instagram a while back and I I was like, I, I keep track of a few people I went to school with. This girl's been in and out of so many relationships. It's so sad because it's just, and she's always blaming the guys that she got out of the relationship with. But hang on a minute. There's a common denominator here. You're investing in the wrong people and you got some issues too. Hello. It's not that we're here to be critical. We just need to wake up and open our eyes. The reason that Orange County has so many, so much brokenness around relationship we stopped being discerning a long, long time ago about who we invite in. And you get hurt enough until you don't trust anymore and you treat people with distant prejudice. Like, no, I'm not letting that person in. And we become the the impenetrable wall of relationship because, well, I just, I'm never going to let that happen. We start taking inner vows. But that's actually not healthy. What's healthy is we start making inner discernment. Okay. Someone getting something? The ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Congregation, fellowship, communion, community of the righteous. Doesn't mean you can't connect with them. Doesn't mean Jesus didn't sit with them. He just didn't invite them into deep intimacy relationship because they wouldn't have understood him anyways. Preach the gospel if, if necessary, use words. That's a load of baloney. The balance of that, I'm not saying that they shouldn't judge your life by your lifestyle, but the balance of that says that if there is no preacher, how will they hear? How will they hear? Hello? So, so you spending 
24 months relationally building a bridge while you compromise and while you're exposed to all kinds of unhealthy stuff in order to get a soul saved is bad strategy. When you could have just manned up or womaned up and told them in 30 seconds. That's actually a strategy that's built out of fear of rejection. So instead of being direct, I'm going to be mystical and like have all of this deep hidden meaning, lyrical like they have to go to some kind of weird like songwriting thing to figure out all the hidden lyric meanings of what you're trying to say. True? Well, I don't want to confront anyone with, you know, being judgmental. Well, do you want them to be confronted with Jesus on Judgment Day? See, we, we, we've, we've rewired what we call relationship into these other weird things to make ourselves feel more comfortable. Okay. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about who we connect with. I'm talking about who we're intimate with today. So I am not trying to culture dwelling place to become an elitist exclusive group that has nothing to do with sinners. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about who we invite into intimacy of relationship. Doesn't mean you don't say hi to the person at 7-Eleven. Like right now, just to be completely real, you guys know I've built up, I think I mentioned this before, but I've purchased a piece of land up in Idlewild and there is a well-known satanic coven up there, okay? And for sure, a couple of guys that come with me, for sure, 150% guaranteed, there is three or four of those witches that work at the local grocery store. And they know who I am, and I've not said anything about Jesus. They, they see the light, the, the spirit, some people, the, the occult calls it an aura, but in the kingdom we call it the glorious hope. Okay, but they've seen it in the spiritual realm when I'm walking through that store and I'm not going to treat them like an enemy. I'm working on loving them and I'm going to become their friends. But it doesn't mean they're going to become intimate confidants. Difference. Because I'm going to get the gospel to them. Okay, but I'm not sitting down at the coven saying, hey guys, I just want to connect. Holy Spirit asked me to do that. I'll totally do that. But, but in the meantime, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try and lower my morals, my standards, or my character to relate to them. Okay. So, so. Oh yeah. Here's another point that I wrote down. And who, who we should not consider to be a friend. One of the problems is that we are flattered by people's words. We shouldn't watch, we shouldn't believe people's words, we should believe their actions. When people, uh, you know, because unfortunately we're in one of the the most well-skilled sales territories in the world. It's like, if you could categorize it, you'd call it the superficial sales pitch territory because everyone knows how to figure out what you like and what your trigger points are and what makes you go wow and once they've figured that out they start to navigate you and they're working you like a puppet so they get what they want so we've got to stop believing what people say and we need to start watching what people do and believe their actions over their words 
Now, if you are blessed with someone whose actions and words line up, that doesn't mean you connect because you need to watch over time that they can be trusted. Hello? Okay, let's carry on here. So, so, who should I not consider a friend? Someone who sees me as collateral or leverage to better their situation. Someone who has no problem selling me out or letting me down or breaking their promises repeatedly to me in order for their convenience. That is not a friend. That is someone who is manipulating my emotions to feel good but actually abusing me in the process repeatedly. They are showing very little value for who I am as a person and value about my heart. If someone repeated, because here's the deal, we don't want to become so critical. Well, they did that one thing, never trust them again. Here's the deal. Peter messed up several times, but Jesus kept loving him. If you can see, and, and I'm going to address something real big time right now. We have a massive problem in our culture of being rescuers. Well, I'm just being their friend because. And we go to fix people. It's called a Jesus complex or a savior complex. And we get around the people that are actually very toxic thinking. Because really, we're not dealing with our own issues. We're trying to find self-value in someone else being helped. And we feel good about ourselves while being able to ignore the real issues going on in our life. And that's, it becomes our identity. Well, I've just got this thing for the broken and the needy and the messed up. Didn't Jesus say to do that? Yes, but Jesus didn't hide behind it. Hello? You see, so the problem is, is that we get around that and we actually don't have a real authentic relationship. We've got this really weird, benevolent thing, but really we're trying to find identity and meaning in the process. And we always find ourselves connecting with the people that are blown out in society if that's what you're dealing with and there's no healthy relationships that are really solid and this is where you're living it's time to back up and look at me I need to look at me for a minute because why do I keep attracting the same thing because like spirits attract like why do I keep finding these people well hang on stop blaming everyone else what are you attracting what are you prioritizing and calling that friend? Because you can't call a friend someone who is actually um, constantly needing feeding from you. That's a dependent. That's not a friend. And we get that mixed up because we love to be the rescuer, savior, mum, pop, whatever you want to call it, and somehow get levels of personal satisfaction because of how we're navigating that and we call that friends that's not friends Jesus fathered the disciples but was in relationship with the father know the difference and at the end of the relationship he said no longer do I call you servants my relationship with you has been such that I'm pulled you up and now you're friends hello are you guys with me now gotta see this we need to be a lot more intentional and, and focused and, and on purpose around how we build and, and grow friendships and relationships and what they actually are. A friend, can ne- someone can never be considered a friend who constantly asks me 
to compromise my conscience, whether directly or indirectly. It, it, it might even just be that you're getting invited into atmospheres and, and environments where you're being exposed to things. Can, can I be direct? If you're going around a certain individual and you're being exposed to like unclean lifestyle or pornography and it's like a whoopsie moment but you're, you're getting exposed, that is not a friend. That is someone who is pulling you down. Remember... Every person in your life is either pushing you towards God or enticing you towards hell. Because that's what away from God means. Hello? We just got to call it what it is. We've learned so many. I'm in between jobs. You're unemployed. We just need to call it what it is. Okay? I I love doing this stuff. It's great. So, so we must recognize the, the, the types of people in our life. I'm going to start moving towards the second half of my message now. hope someone's getting something. It's only an hour and a half to go. I'm going to move towards landing-ish. I'm going to start turning the plane around and heading back towards the airport. It's about 45 minutes away. So there's, there, here's the categories of people we have in our lives. Are you ready? You're going to want to write this down. I'm just going to line, I'm just going to line the ball up. I'm going to get ready to kick it. You ready? Yesterday people. Yesterday people are the people from your past who continually try to drag you back into your past through nostalgia. We give these people the extra point because of the good old days that we had. High school buddies, college buddies, military buddies, old work buddies. People that we did all kinds of messed up stuff with, but now that time has passed, we kind of have a fondness about it. And they say, hey, we're getting all the crew together. We're having a high school reunion and we're going to be smashing out the kegs. Woo! We're like, yeah, I need to do that. I have a civic duty to show up to that. See, yesterday's people are people that try to take you backwards, not intentionally, but just because that's where they made camp. They made camp in the past and they never progressed. Paul talked about it. He goes, this, this type of person will progress no further. So yesterday's people are the people in your life that reach out to you. Like I've had people that reached out to me from my past over the last few years. And they're still talking with the same language and the same priorities and, you know, the same kind of focuses of, of just real low level, go nowhere stuff. And it's not that I'm disdaining them. It's just that if I connect with that, it's inviting me backwards. I can only partner with people that have positive input for me to go forward in my intimate close friends. So yesterday's people are the people that constantly are trying to reach to me and connect through yesterday's nostalgia. And their intention is low-level stuff. And then there's today's people. 
to present today's people. These are people that actually are looking to be relational with me. They accept me for who I am. They, they, they love me. Uh, they are here to help me with today's assignment. Okay? They were willing to accept you for who you were in the state you were when they first met you. They didn't assess you from who you used to be. They just assessed you from how they met you. And they're willing to partner with you to help you get done some of the things at hand today. But then there's the people of tomorrow. Or the future bearers. The people that are called to take you forward. To help you progress. Future bearers. These people are undoubtedly those that are connected to helping you enter your future destiny. These people are looking to help you progress. Their interest is in your progression. These people are actually very rare. They've been already where you want to go. See, while I started talking about future bearers or the tomorrow people, tomorrow people, people that are going to help us move forward, we started getting ideas. The problem is, is we try and find people with great charisma and quote-unquote connections and networks, but have never been where we want to go, and we try and follow them a place where they've never been yet. They're making it up as they go along. We need to find people that have been where we want to go. You can't substitute that. Or they're going to learn your lessons for you and you're going to be slowed down. Remember, we only have so many years in our life to come towards full destiny. And if we keep floating with people and substitute people, you can't substitute a brother to be a father. They can take and guide you towards a better tomorrow. Other terms for these types would be mentor, father, teacher, or pastor. People that can take you where you haven't been yet, but they have. Now, here's the interesting part about this, and you guys will have heard me talk about this with some of the discipleship stuff that we talk about or the fivefold school. Very few access these people because there's requirements. These people have learned to be discerning about who gets close to them. You can't use and abuse these people like you did the yesterday people because you won't get any traction with them. They've learnt too much. If you catch a big fish in the ocean or, you know, there's like certain big... He didn't get big by being dumb. He didn't get big by swallowing every bait that came over the side of a boat. He got big by being discerning and filtering what he bit and what he didn't. Hello? Okay, good. I'm going to work towards trying to land now. Now, that's the three types of people. I want to talk about, in closing, the three types of relationship that you're going to have. The first is confidants. They are very rare. A confidant will love you unconditionally. 
They are committed to you for the long haul. You can share anything with them. If you make a boo-boo and end up in prison, they're coming to bail you out. Confidants. They're not going to sit and throw it up on social media and, and jeer and scorn at you. They're going to come and cover you. They're going to try and figure out how to fight for you. Confidants. You can't be King David until you find your Jonathan. You need a confidant. We just have to find the right one. You need to have people. Well, I'm never going to trust people. I've, I've figured out how to navigate in big groups. No. You'll always live low level until you learn. Because once you have a confidant, you've learned to be vulnerable. You won't inherit your kingdom until you find your confidant. Confidants will confront you. When you're spilling a whole lot of baloney out your mouth, they're the ones that are going to stand up and say, hang on a minute, that's garbage. <laughs> when you're getting ready to quit, they're putting their steel cap boot on, getting ready for a kick. Right up behind you. Confidants. They're not afraid of your tantrums. Confidants. They're not afraid of your mess. They won't compete with your success. They will champion you when you're doing well and they'll weep with you when you're mourning. Confidants. Confidant someone that you can trust your life with. See, I have a will, and in my will, if anything ever happens to me where I got into like a vegetative state, I have to trust someone that they would be able to come in and manage my family, my children's future, and I could be in that state trusting that everything's going to be okay. Confidants. Not someone that's going to come and tear my estate apart for their own benefit. Hello. You need a confidant. If you have two or three confidants in your whole life, you're incredibly blessed. Stop shooting for a big group of people that think you're amazing and start shooting for a couple of people that really know who you are and love you anyways and will confront your brokenness while championing your greatness. Confidants. Well, I've just got friends that accept me for who you are, for who I am. You're broken. Because if you've got friends that just accept you for who you are and they never challenge you, you ain't got friends. You've got cheerleaders that are paid. They'll still be cheering when you're losing everything. Because they're not really for you, they're for what they could get from you. Confidence will tell you when you're wrong. You see, I used to just want people to support me, but you know, you get to a place in life where you realize I need to have people that can tell me when I'm not seeing straight. Because sometimes we're wrong. And for some of us, that's more often than not. Because we haven't learned stability and maturity. We need a confidant to be able to speak deep into our life and say, you can't see this yet, but 
I know you've talked about this a lot to everyone else, but I'm going to have to confront you on this because if you carry on, it's going to damage you. There's no one so loyal as him that's prepared to confront a friend. There's no one more loyal than someone that's prepared to confront their own friend. Someone getting something today. It's, it's awesome, but it's also sobering because it makes us start to assess the people that we've established in our lives. Okay, two more things. A few more things, actually. <laughs> the second category of friends, or the I'm not even going to use the word friends. The second category of people in our lives are comrades. Comrades, they're not for you or for what you are. They're just against what you're against. They're not for you. And they're not for what you are. For. They're not even got the same priorities as you. They're just got the same dislikes as you. And they're against what you're against. If you want to understand that right now, go look at the riots in America. These people are not in unity. Know that. These people are not in unity. They just have the same hatred. Know that. It is a false unity. It is people coming together for a common enemy in their eyes. It is not people coming together, comrades. Which interestingly enough, the word comrade comes from the communistic regime. Which is built on common enemies. That's really the only unity in the demonic kingdom is founded when there is a common enemy. Have you ever had a friend in your life that draws people and movements together based on common hatred? Or common prejudice towards an individual? Or common conspiracy or gossip towards another person? And everyone mysteriously comes together and stands strong in solidarity together. Because there's common hatred, not common unity. Comrades. You have to know that there are people in your life right now that aren't for you. And they're not for what you're for. They're just against what you're against. And when that victory is achieved, they will discard you because they have no investment in you. Someone listening today? See, we have to discern who's in our lives. Because there's people that will throw you to the curb. They have no care about who you are, the outcome of your life. You are merely another sword on the battlefield. And as long as you bring strength to their army, they'll accept you. They'll even say nice things, but you are not cared for. They just care that you hate the same thing. Someone learning something? They don't believe in you. They don't trust you. They just want the sword, your sword on the battlefield of their lives. And as soon as the battle is won, you will be forgotten. They have no interest in common with you other than desire to see a common enemy defeated. Comrades. Okay, last one. Last of the three types. You've got to realize every person fits into one of these three categories. The last one is your constituents. Every person has constituents. Now, they are not into you. 
but they're into what you're for. They like what you're trying to achieve. They don't care about you. Because what you're trying to achieve is what they're trying to achieve and they want you to be the spearhead or an added strength to try and achieve that. Hello? I know this is a little heartbreaking for some of us today, but we need to face some of this music. Because there are actually some very strategic and cunning people in our lives that will tell us almost anything to manipulate us so they can sit in a position in our lives that benefits them. And when we are no longer beneficial or convenient, we will be discarded. Interesting thought. If they find someone that they think can take them further, they will leave you in a heartbeat and forget you like you never mattered. If they find someone else that agrees with you, but they perceive could possibly take them a little further or give them a better angle or a better inroad or a better progress a little quicker, they will drop you and move to the other team because they will they don't really care about you they never did they don't even agree with you they just agree with what you like or what you're trying to do it was never about you it was about what they could get from you i'm not trying to create suspicion i'm trying to create discernment someone getting something here see this sounds really intense but at the same time a heartbreak is a lot more intense in this conversation By the time you get to falling in love with them, they will break your heart because they were never for you, they were for what you were for. Someone listening? Okay. Comrades and constituents always leave. Our mistake is that we give them long-term investment expectations when they never had that initiative in the beginning with us. We invest poorly. He chose poorly. (laughs) For those Raiders of the Lost Ark (laughs) blowouts. They were always for what they could get from you, not what they could give to you. Remember this. Love is a giver. Lust is a taker. The Bible says in Proverbs that lust has two children. Give and give. Or two daughters, I think. Give and give. So because of that, you must be so careful who you divulge and share your dreams to because comrades and constituents will steal your intellectual property and go build it for themselves despite you. Someone listening? That's why I love the, the proverb that says, discretion will guard and keep you all your days. Discretion. We make mistakes when we commit ourselves hastily to those who are never going to be committed to us. I'm enjoying today. We're just dropping bombs everywhere. Some of you are going to go home and, and, and reassess some of your friendships. Because they never were friendships. They were charity. That you'll never get anything back from. Remember I talked last week 
that we have to decide in all relationships if we're spending or investing. When we spend, we'll never get anything back, but when we invest, there will be something built from it. And in closing, we must assess and filter our friends because those we let into our hearts can either hinder, sabotage, or break our hearts, or they can propel, build, and establish our present and our future. Remember in the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 20, the Bible says that he who walks with wise men will be wise. It doesn't say that he who walks with peers becomes wise. If you want to become wise, you've got to go to those that are further along from you and start drawing from their well. In order to do that, you have to know that they're probably wiser than you. And if you treat them like a constituent, like you're a constituent or a comrade, and you don't actually care about who they are, they're too smart to invest in you. They won't. Because like a lot of people that are further along, it's not so much about the anointing passing on, it's about how the vessel is cared for. Right. <coughs> David Hogan told me something very interesting. He said, when I go out to all these different places around the world and I come back to Mrs. Hogan, she doesn't ask me how many dead people were raised. She doesn't ask me how many eyes were opened. She doesn't ask me how many legs that were lame walked. She says, how did they treat you? Because so many people want the oil out of your vessel, but they don't care about your vessel. Come on, somebody. It's the way people treat you, not the way people receive from you that matters. Come on, somebody. Relationship 101. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the... Listen to this. This is important. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. It's a powerful scripture. You want to hang out with fools? Go ahead. You'll get destroyed. Because they're going to lead you to destruction. So in closing, I have a very simple statement. Choose your friends wisely. They dictate what your life looks like. They dictate how far you'll go. They even dictate how much of God's plan gets to come to pass over your life. They, they literally have an influence as how far you'll go, whether you'll taste success or calamity. Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do, guys, is we're just going to take a moment and we're going to pray that God gives us discernment on how to build our relationships so that we learn to steward relationships and not float in them. Father, we thank you for today and the message that you've brought forward. I pray, Father, that every person here that's hearing this, Father, that we would learn how to steward and not tolerate or float through relationships. God, give us a filter that starts to see where people sit in our lives. That we'd just stop accepting everything at face value and we would start to discern and understand the relationship types in our life, the way that they are invested or not, the way that they are stewarding, whether they're 
honouring us or abusing us, whether they are taking liberties or asking us to compromise, or they're strengthening us or building us up and propelling us towards all that you've called us to do. So today, Jesus, we bless you. We ask that you would teach us how to walk as good stewards of everything and everyone that you've given us. We love you, God. We thank you for today. And I pray that as we become better stewards, that we'd also become better soul winners because we'd learn how to relate to people better and to care for people's lives on deeper levels. I pray, God, that while we are scrutinous of the people that are close to us, we would become even more loving for the people that are further away from us, the people that aren't as close, God, the ones that we meet that are broken, that are that, that are damaged, that need a whole bunch more Jesus than we can even think of, God. I pray that we would learn to love the least of these while being discerning who gets into the close places in our hearts. In Jesus' name, we love you, God, and we thank you for today. We bless dwelling place and all the people that couldn't be here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.